We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. March has arrived and we're only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online. And open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest. It starts March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action. And with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA, the XFL, they're still going strong. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, BLUEWIRE, for your 50% sign-up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we will be discussing esports journalists and media. Just a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, as all the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Jeff Eisenman. Jeff is an esports reporter and announcer. Jeff has been involved in traditional sports and esports for many years. He has had his work Featured on many top esports and sports publications, including the Post Game, Front Office Sport, and Ozzy. He also acted as a sideline reporter and host for the NBA 2K League, as well as for various programs on the MSG Network. Jeff, thanks for joining us. I, thank you. I'm wondering, can I give legal advice if I don't have a law degree? Does that am I like immune from from any issues because I'm not actually a lawyer? I mean, yeah. Like if if I say your contract is enforceable over line and someone's like, Oh, you said it, that you're enforceable. Then it's like, Oh, I gave legal advice. But well, I think the point of being, cause I don't know any, I don't, I know nothing that I'm talking about in that regard. So, 
Okay, Don't so listen you, to me. So you heard that first, guys. Just kind of disregard what Jeff has to say about things. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, happy to do this. Um, you know, we've known each other for a while, so it's great to... We've had so many conversations not recorded that it'll be nice to have one that people could uh, pick our brain a little bit and understand what we talk about. Yeah, and you know, a lot of kind of me just kind of giving you some interview clips, and now the mic's kind of in my hand. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Okay, so to briefly introduce the topic, we're now exploring esports press. So esports press and media, similar to other areas of public interest, esports and competitive gaming has created its own press and media outlets. Some of these are independently created ones, such as Esports Insider and .esports. Others are part of large entertainment entities, whether you have ESPN, which has its own esports division, or the Washington Post launched The Launcher, and more recently, Esports Observer was published and purchased by Advanced Publications. Some of these outlets are game-specific, like only CSGO or 2K, and others cover all games. Generally, they post news stories, you know, what sponsorship activations, what players are dropped, what players are traded and signed, competition recaps and previews. You know, they recap what just happened past the weekend and a bunch of other stuff. And then you have personality featured content, whether it's, you know, interviews and podcasts with pro gamers as well as other people in the industry. Also, similar to sporting events, live esports events also have broadcast team including sideline reporters and other individuals. Some of these people interview the competition before and after their match as well as sometimes talk with the coaches to get some strategy and insight. So now that we know a bit more about eSports media, Jeff, tell us a bit about your previous sports and eSports experience. Oh, wow. Well, so um, kind of the to, to put it short, so I, I graduated Northwestern in 2015. Uh, the Medill School of Journalism had been doing a lot of traditional sports coverage uh, at the time, freelancing for the post game, did some f stuff for Golf Week. Uh, I was an intern for ESPN Radio New York when I was in college. And then I went into life as an editor for the post game, which at the time was Yahoo Sports' digital magazine. And I would say that, you know, a lot of people that first year, so we're talking about I'm um, 22 going on 23, 2015 to 2016. And, and a lot of people say, you know, get into esports. You should get into esports. It's a, it's a growing industry that you can – um, you know, you can be the first into. And I think I was hesitant at first, not because I didn't believe in the industry, but I think that everyone said video games are selling out Madison Square Garden. You know, you you play video games. And I'm like, yes, but I've never played League of Legends in my life before. Yeah. And so I was very much, um, you know, I want to get into, into traditional sports. It was where I was aligning myself, but I had my eye definitely in esports. Uh, and the first real opportunity that I had in esports was also to host content for the NBA Twitch channel, which I did for about a year, just playing video games with NBA players, uh, playing NBA 2K with NBA players, and taking questions from the chat. Best gig you could possibly imagine. Right? Not um, a bad one. And so then when the NBA 2K League started, it was the same sort of uh, same sort of guys within the NBA who were doing it. And I said, you know, I'd love to be a part of this. Um, and they said, here, we're going to give you a, a microphone, put you on the red carpet for the NBA 2K League draft, the first one in 2018, and try to get as many interviews as you, as you can. It won't be live. And if the content's good, we'll share it places. And I started to interview a lot of the players 
you know, learned about guys who were truck drivers, who were working in Amazon plants, who were, you know, financial advisors and doing different jobs before the NBA 2K League. And I thought to myself, wow, what a what an interesting array of people here who are now part of NBA franchises. And on top of that, I just felt like there were so many stories, untapped stories within esports. Like it was this new sort of area that I could be one of the first people to tell stories in. And so that that really got me into esports. Uh, but I still do both sports and esports coverage, which is a is an interesting conversation starter when you talk to people. Awesome. Um, so what are you currently working on in esports right now? Uh, well, I can't tell you everything that I'm working on, but, um, I have been obviously doing a lot of stuff with the NBA 2k league, just did the NBA 2k league draft. Um, I've written a, I have a couple stories with Ozzy, one that's, that's coming out shortly. That's a, a feature in esports. Um, and I, I do have some other stuff in esports. I'm sorry. I feel like I, you know, if we were doing this maybe a month from now, I could talk a little more about it, but, um, I just can't really say anything right now. So be on the lookout. You know, his Twitter's there. You know, there's going to be some big announcement from Jeff coming soon. So tell us a little bit more about I'll, being... I'll roll stuff in. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Um, so tell us a little bit more about being an esports reporter. What is your day-to-day like? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, um, you know, again, it kind of... And, and I I have some trouble labeling myself as an esports reporter above a sports reporter. You know, I I try to say that I'm both, which people get nervous whenever you say, you know, like what do you do? Well, I report on sports or esports. They're like, well, I say I report on sports and esports. They say sports or esports. I'm like, no, no, no. It's okay to do both. It's not it's not a crime. Like you they know, work they're, uh, they're you know, but they work up. But it's also some people do news and sports. Um, some people do different sports, and we don't. Imminent, you know, sports. yeah, and so. You know, I'd say that that part of so much of my day to day is following along with what's going on, because if you're not informed with uh, what's going on, you know, inside the Twitter sphere on, you know, in terms of the actual news cycle, what's actually, you know, if you're not consuming media, you're you're not quite understanding where the industry is going. But on top of that, I'd say, you know, following, uh, you know, esports that I'm or sports that I'm following, I need to follow the specific trends. So if it's the NBA 2K League, what's going on? What's the news of the day? What, um, you know, what players are, are players being traded? What, what's the scuttle about, you know, who's playing what position or something along those lines. Sometimes I'm, I'm writing a big feature or I'm researching for a big event or something like that. So, uh, I went freelance personally about a year and a half ago. And one thing that I had to learn was so much of your life ends up being, you know, I'm sitting here in my apartment and I'm researching for something that I'm doing soon. And you don't get paid for those hours necessarily, Hmm. but if you don't put in the work, you're not going to have those opportunities. Exactly. So what's your favorite part of the job? Um, I, I think my favorite part is when it actually comes together. And, you know, I personally love interviewing. I just some people love being being a hot take machine or being a one man show. Uh, for me, it's it's the level of interviewing and uncovering something that's not there, the curiosity factor. So, you know, I come into interviews and try to be curious. And then when you have a live interview and you're finding out at the same time as everyone else, that's when it really becomes a cool thing just because you don't know where it's going and no one knows where it's going. And you could be 
discovering something in real time. So obviously taped interviews as well, you're able to to find something out and and to, you know, the goal is to communicate, the goal of journalism is to communicate the news or the the, whatever the the nugget is that's being uncovered to the people. And I, I think I enjoy that sort of process of things. Ever wonder why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy? That's because they were never meant to be worn that way. Untucked shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, the shirts are the perfect length. With more than 50 combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it. Try Untucked for yourself. Visit untucked.com and use code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. That's untucked.com. Use promo code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. So how do you handle when, you know, a player, other individual, you know, criticize your article or commentary, you know, Twitter world, <laughs> Reddit, like, <laughs> I mean, look, that's, that's part of the business. You have to, you, you don't sign up for this if you can't handle it. Um, you, you, you have to believe in your work. You know, I think people who are, you know, and you see it a lot more in today's media when things aren't going through five layers of editing, like a newspaper would have 20 years ago. Uh, you can just get sometimes get a blog post, get some work up there. And if you didn't do your research and you didn't, maybe you just kind of had a crazy hot take, then, you know, you're throwing yourself out there vulnerable. If you've done your research, if you've done, if you have, you know, a take that you've researched and you're putting out there and people disagree with it, then you should feel fine because you did all the research. You did everything you could to get it to a point that either you feel comfortable with it or it's new or it's, or it's factual. So I try to carry myself that way. You know, it's, it was, it's been interesting with the NBA 2K league because a lot of times I'll end up in person. Um, You know, the league has been such a grassroots sort of operation for the, for the first few seasons that there have been some times where I've been asked to, you know, have a take or have, pick a pick a team to win, and then you got to stand there with the. Uh, I'm doing the interviews after the game, or I'm standing with the guys before the game, and they don't always like when you went with when you went somewhere else. But as long as you did your job and did your research, I think you should feel good about it. So it's just kind of that's one of the perils of the job. Like you know, you're kind of paid to put your opinion out there, and you know, we're not always right. Most of the time, you're not right. Well, that's the the joy of sports or esports, right? Is that it's uh, it's unpredictable, and for me, that's always been something that's drawn me to this stuff in the first place. Because uh, you know, you can do all your research, you can do all your analytics, but that's why you play the games. Exactly. Um, so tell us a little bit more about being a sideline reporter at an event. I know you were mentioning kind of interviewing guys after they win. How does that go? Yeah, I mean, it's beyond just interviewing guys, I guess, uh, you know, after or before we've done some halftime stuff, especially with coaches at NBA 2K League tournaments. And you're you're trying to watch what's going on right in front of you 
uh, but you're also trying to listen and trying to get something out of it. And uh, you're also trying not to, you know, you hear some things, you're privy to some things that you can't necessarily talk about. So I like, again, I like the interview portion after that. I like when there's a big game, a big win, and you see the emotion and you have that moment where you can take that emotion and put it on the screen. Uh, but sometimes it's it's also just cool to have, be able to, and again, inform someone, hey, this is what's going on down here on the floor. The coach keeps saying, do this, do this, do this. Um, and, and that's when you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, wait, they can't hear. I'm the only one that can hear this. This is awesome that I get to be the one who tells the story. Right. You get that real behind the scenes information. Um, so, yeah. So how is it to kind of a, interview a player before a match? Do you kind of have a different approach to after a match or is it similar? Yeah. Well, I think in this day and age, you're thinking about a lot of times after um, and, and it's interesting. I have this, you say match or game. Um, so many esports are matches to me. If it's the NBA 2k league and we're mirroring the NBA, it's a game. Um, but people say both. And I always wonder what the correct terminology is. Say that, but no, no, no. But, but you're saying like, so after a game, I am thinking in my head, this is, it happened. This clip that we do right now, you know, I want to grab this, this emotion, but at the same time, it also can live for maybe 24 hours or whenever before the team's next game is as opposed to before that game it's we've got you know this is going to be basically fresh for about 60 seconds and then once we tip back off i mean then anything can happen and what you said is old so it's a matter of in that live moment how are you able to uh depict something that you know the fan can can now be thinking about in those first few minutes of the game okay this guy and his team are focused on doing this because x y and z Mm -hmm. and then you get to see if they do it or not yeah well and and that's why again why you play the games (laughs) right so is there a difference in your approach with a gamer after they win versus after a loss Oh, of course. I mean, you know, you have to understand whether whatever the competition is, sports, esports, whatever, after a loss, someone's delicate. Their team is delicate. Um, And I don't like putting I don't like being a gotcha journalist. You know, I'm not trying to. Oh, this guy's unstable. He's going to say something that's going to break down his team. I want because to me, that's not that's not what it's about. That's not you know, that's just you were able to manipulate something in the moment. To me, I want to know, you know, what went wrong. What needs to be fixed, and how is this team gonna gonna maintain its composure after this? And I think that that's where you get that more emotional, um, you know, angle to a losing team. A winning team, they're happy, so it's trying to figure out. They're gonna say things in that moment. They're gonna open up a little more and give the fans something that you know maybe they've been holding back, especially in esports where so much is strategy. That and and a lot of times you're only playing a team once a year, so you're letting out. We were, you know, we were planning on shutting this guy down by doing this, 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 and this, and that's a really cool clip to show the fans. Mm-hmm. So I know you've mentioned that you work with both, you know, professional athletes as well as pro gamers. So is there any difference in your interactions and talking with them? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. It's something that I've always been. You know, I always tell people the difference between an NBA player and an NBA 2K League player, for example, is a lot of NBA players have been followed since they were 13 years old. You know, Scout.com or mm-hmm. Rivals or whoever is following them at AAU at the AU level. In terms of 
these NBA 2K League players, we're talking about guys who were doing, you know, didn't even see this league coming until a couple of years ago and who are experiencing something in a totally different way. And they're telling their stories and they're opening up and they're learning. They're being public for the first time in their lives. So I just see that they're eager to tell their stories. They haven't, you know, been telling their story for 10 years, 12, 20 years. But they're also more humble because they didn't they weren't, you know, the seven footer in their sixth grade class. They were people who it's always they've just always they connect more to that average fan, to the to the, you know, to the average American, to the average person around the world who doesn't necessarily have a gift of athletic talent, but is just trying to make it in this in this, you know, somewhere around the globe. So what are there any similarities with them, you know, their personalities or how you handle them? I mean, I think uh, this also depends a little on the eSport and the NBA 2K League because they follow NBA players. And I think this with a lot of sports video games, you know, they kind of have that a lot of times have the boisterous personality of that sort of WWE competitive mindset. Um, there have been other, you know, there are other eSports athletes who maybe are a little more reserved. Uh, just coming from especially where their interests lie beyond the actual esport, the esport itself. So, um, you know, but I'd say that 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 it's the it's the joy of competition, I would say, that connects the two of them. I mean, you're you're thinking with that same mindset. We have to do everything we can to beat the other team and we will stop at nothing for it. It's like we want to win, like whether we're playing on the virtual court or the real court, we as a team need to do X, Y and Z. In order to achieve the goal of winning and winning a championship and, you know, doing it the right way. So I guess that it's definitely the mentality is very similar. That's the goal. Always. So I know you've been to some Super Bowls and some other kind of high profile sporting events. Do you see any similarities between like reporting at live esports events versus traditional sports events? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're still getting that. Um you see the players feed off the crowd. And I mean, for the 2K League, it's specifically the uh, the two finals that we've had, because those have been examples where we've had a really loud crowd on both sides. And I think that then the, the crowd becomes a factor in that sort of way. And I think that there are some esports competitions that are in closed studios and you don't have that same crowd factor where, where look at it. People are making decisions out there and they are thinking, how's the crowd going to react? You know, I want to I want to basically crowd surf at the end of this. And I think that that to me is the biggest similarity between the two that you have that that sort of factor because people always say why do you need why do you need you know an arena for esports well because you need to have that 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 sort of setting that makes it feel like a big time event like that like you're the gladiators back in the coliseum you need to have the roaring crowd and the lights and the music and the smoke and you know the production value that kind of really elevates you just playing in your basement to you know, you playing on stage for, you know, six figures. If, if that's the case, exactly. And, and that you could make that similarity as, a, you know, you could throw that in as a similarity, the monetary aspect of things. So how does kind of reporting on an esports event differ than a traditional sports event? Um, well, you know, there's, uh, I mean, there's an aspect of, the the physicality is different um we're not talking about as many injuries we're not talking about as many um 
you know, of those in-person decisions. And I think with a lot of esports, there's no substitutions. So I would say from an X's and O's perspective, or there's limited substitution. So that does factor into things. But for the most part, they're similar. I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, whether it's tournament style, whether it's league style, we're talking about people who are trying to win the most games possible. We're talking about a competition. And, you know, we're talking about someone being crowned a champion at the end of, again, whatever it is, the tournament, the league. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of the team format esports succeed, especially more than others, because people relate to teams and they relate to that in a similar way to traditional sports. Yeah, you know, it's there's five guys competing for a goal. And, you know, it's a very similar thing that most of us have experienced throughout our lives. There's an attractiveness in rooting for a team and, you know, everyone wants to be a fan and be a part of the team. I mean, you see it. Look, there's look, take a sport like tennis. There's a handful of guys who win and then there's everyone else in the world who doesn't. Uh I mean, that's 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 you know, that's not as it's hard to necessarily jump on a on a team bandwagon and that, you know, it's harder to jump on a, on a one man bandwagon in that sort of way. I, I understand there are so many Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal fans around the world, Pete but, um, but, it, but it's just different in terms of that fandom. Awesome. So what are some hurdles that you've been encountering in esports reporting? Well, I think it's partly people don't know what's going on. Um, People don't quite, I mean, take the NBA 2K League. There's been so many times I've I talked to people and it takes them a while to realize it's not one-on-one, it's five-on-five. Um, people can't understand that players train in their home markets and they travel to New York and play. And I think there's there's just certain disconnects. And some, you know, a lot of times the conversation takes a while from why are people, why should we care about this? Why do people watch other people play, play you know, esports? So you got to get that argument down first before you even, you know, can get to the next level of people. But the other thing, and, and I was thinking about some of the questions, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping around that you sent me. Uh, there's such a difference, a different reporting style that I've had people say, you know, I'd love kind of AP style reports on what happened in, in an esports event. But at the same time, I'm thinking, is the esports organ, you know, um, audience going to read that they're not, you know, it's, it's not like, Oh, I'm a Yankee fan. I want to read the box score in the New York Times the next day of the Blue Jays Orioles game that I, you know, couldn't physically watch on TV and didn't stay up to watch on SportsCenter. You know, if you if you care about this stuff, there's so many visual elements or social media elements that you're not going to see reporting done that way. I think it would just be a waste of people's time. So it's it's a much different sort of feature style reporting that you're going to see around esports and a lot of, of course, video elements to things because that's what the audience wants. Okay, yeah, I mean, that definitely makes a lot of sense that, you know, I had a someone else i was talking to that's like yeah like if you want to see who got killed how many points someone you can just pull up a box score you know as someone who's reporting on the event you want to hear you know what his kill ratio was and you know what his shooting percentage was and how he did on pick and rolls and how he defended the pick and rolls like you want a little bit more meat and a little bit more analysis than how many points they scored and how many assists they got and I think that what's nice about the video games and the esports is that you can really get these really advanced analytics rather quickly. Like, you know, the games calculate it themselves, like, you know, how much damage you're doing, what your kill ratio is, 
all of these statistics that can really create a nice article and a nice piece that isn't just like, you know, they won 20 to 13 and this person had five kills and, you know, they, you know, died four times. So you can really kind of focus in and create a much more in-depth analytical piece. And I think that that, like you said, is what people are interested in. They don't really need you to tell them who won. They could find that out themselves. It's also everything's moving so fast that that's just that doesn't need to be where the reporting needs to be. Mm-hmm. So what are some suggestions and how do you think you could you know make it better? You know, more media training for the players or. Yeah, um, you know, I think that this industry is only going to grow and I think that it's figuring out um you know, there's a lot of grassroots elements to things that I think people don't understand. Uh, there's a lot of players who need to do their, you know, MB, take uh, professional athletes are not necessarily, some of them are running their day-to-day social media. Some of them aren't, you know, they're not negotiating all of their, you know, they're not reading necessarily every deal that comes their way, negotiating, um, you know, being the, not every player is negotiating the CBA or anything like that. But I think with, uh, you know, esports athletes, there's some more things that you have to do. You got, you have to shop for yourself and cook for yourself a little more. So I think that we're going to see, especially as esports grow and as players become higher profile, I think that's when you're just going to see them treated more like professional athletes. And I don't know, I don't know if they'll ever get to that point that they're at the same level, you know, in terms of volume, but you're just going to see, a little bit more of that. And I think people get, you know, things are spun. Like I always go back to uh, the Fortnite World Cup last year, right? That was played at Arthur Ashe Stadium and people were comparing the winnings to uh, the U.S. Open tennis tournament that's there or the Masters. But tennis and golf are sports that have, you know, on average on their schedule, players are playing like 30 to 40 events a year, or maybe not that much, but there are 30 to 40 events a year that you can win that money in plus sponsorships. You know, that was just one event. So these, these, you know, esports have a longer way to go in terms of actual, the players actually making money. That's going to come with time. It can't be rushed, but it's just something to, uh, you know, for people to recognize. Yeah. I mean, you know, and kind of building off your point about professionalization, it, really kind of comes with these players, the gamers kind of understanding that they are a business and same way a musician understands that, you know, there's a music business and you have to deal a certain way with the record label and the publisher and your brands as well as the press. I think that more and more players and gamers are going to learn that this is what's important that, yeah, you want to do good at your game, but you know, ninjas and shroud and some of these dudes that are on the Forbes, you know, 10 million plus list, they are entertainers more than they are gamers. They're great at the game, but they just have charisma and people want to watch them and they want to hear what they have to say. And, you know, they're entertainers. And I think that once you understand that you're an entertainment business and that that's how you will approach things, it will kind of all grow and progress. Yeah, that's that's a whole other element to this that people need to understand, especially people are naive to who aren't around esports that there are, there's a difference between streamers and, you know, esports athletes and themselves. And I think that sometimes people want to, 
You know, it's the same way that sometimes esports fans want to watch high level competition that is, you know, the the highest level of that game. And sometimes they want to watch an entertainer the same way that people, sports fans sit around and sometimes want to watch first take or NBA on T, you know, NBA on TNT. And sometimes they want to watch the live action. It's just a different medium that it's being told on. So what's the future of esports press and media? Where do we go from here? I think, you know, like I was saying, it's not thinking that it's going to be straight beat reporting. Um, it's thinking that there are a lot of stories to be told, I think, about esports athletes that you're going to see a lot more feature writing, a lot more feature video stories, and it's going to be in the mainstream. You know, you'll turn on Good Morning America or the Today Show, and there'll be, uh, you know, a sort of deep dive into an important esports athlete's life in sort of a national news lens like that. And I think that, you know, I think where people need to understand is esports verticals are going to align in themselves. They're not going to necessarily all be attached to sports or news or something like that, because frankly, those places aren't necessarily um, I wouldn't say that those places are necessarily where the audience is. And I think for a long time, people wanted uh, you know, traditional sports fans to just shift over to esports easily, like that was going to be a seamless transition. Like they'd all, you know, be in the It'd same sort of ballpark on the other button, right? You go from yeah. the NBA tab to the esports tab. Yeah, and that just wasn't the case. So, um, you know, things things have kind of evolved. And ESPN, you mentioned at the beginning, ESPN esports exists, but I don't think it exists as. Um, as much in the traditional ESPN ethos as was originally intended. That they're kind of their own standalone entity. It's not like we're going to have the esports segment every sports center where we kind of highlight what happened in League of Legends. Yeah, that's never going to happen. But you also, you know, we're not in 2006 anymore. So you can you can run it on your ESPN and esports vertical. And sometimes the top stories they'll throw onto the, the ESPN tab. But it's understanding that, there's a, there's a line to where things are connected. Fortnite is played by a lot of sports fans. Uh, CSGO, I would not say, is played by a lot of traditional American sports fans. So it's finding out what works in that sort of crossover and what doesn't. Awesome. So, you know, thank you so much, Jeff. I like to kind of end my episodes with my three questions. So, Uh-oh. Well, I mean, I think you'll do okay on them. So what's your favorite game to watch? Oh, my favorite. I mean, I, I have to say, NBA, you know, I got to go NBA 2K here for for video, for esports. I think that the five on five element of the game is so, so interesting, especially when you see it in person, that the fact that these guys are all communicating. If you appreciate basketball, you appreciate the fact that the high level conversations that are going on. I mean, I, I you know, I'll just use OFAB as an example. Um, t- one of the top players in the league on the Celtics. You talk to him, and he, I feel like you know he could coach. He could coach the real Celtics right now. Move, like move over Brad Stevens. He literally can run an offense a certain way. So I just think it's incredible to watch those guys interact with each other, figure out how to f- how to fill a lane virtually, uh, and play at the top level. Awesome. So, what's your favorite game to play? My favorite game to play, maybe people aren't ready, is actually NHL. Um, okay. I just love, you know, I'm, I, I love that element of, um, 
that 1v1 style that it's not maybe it's i'm not saying nba 2k because i'm not as good at it um but nhl i've just always kind of drawn to um just the kind of spreading the ice um i don't i mean i'm a hockey fan in myself but uh, just the i like games like nhl and fifa that are low scoring and you got to work for your for your goal and I think that NHL, there's almost nothing more rewarding than when you're playing on a high level of NHL against a good opponent, which is usually my brother. And, you know, if you're able to win a game 2-1, you feel pretty good about those two goals. I'll never forget NHL 94 with the, you go to the board and you come right back and you score every time. Like, that was my beginning days of video games. Like, that cheap move where it's like, you have to outlaw that move. Or like, you're like no, you can't do the go to the wall and come back move. But, but I think it's inter- it's an interesting also argument that with uh, watching esports that where NHL and FIFA might struggle are that if you're watching, there's not as much scoring. But if you're playing, you love that element of you've got to work for everything. Um, so that's just one interesting wrinkle of sports video games. Playing 2K with, you know, is fun. I definitely I've spend more time on the wreck and running with some of these kids than I care to admit, but... You know, it's a good time, especially when they carry me to victories. Of course. So what's your favorite video game character? Mario, Yoshi, Pikachu. Oh, wow. Right. Oh, man. Brain busters. Yeah, well, I should have, uh, I, should have I guess, prepared more for that. Um, can I pick, like, you, you can know. pick a I'm, few, I'm, you know. Well, I'm wondering if I want to pick an athlete. Um I, I, I mean, I'll go to Mario. To Mario, I'll say that Yoshi was always my go-to in almost every Mario game, whether it's Mario Kart, um, Superstar Mario Baseball, Mario Golf, Mario Tennis, just Mario a tennis. sound player that maybe I felt like I could relate to because I'm like, I can't relate to Bowser, Waluigi, or, or uh, Wario because they're too big. Mm-hmm. But like Yoshi, look, he's got speed, agility, he's crafty. <laughs> you know, this is where I can use him. Okay, I, I personally was definitely a toad guy. I always felt like you got that little extra speed being a little guy. I was originally toad in Mario Kart, but Mario Golf was where Yoshi became my favorite Mario character. Okay, okay. just reliable, right? He's just just one of those guys that you just know what you're going to get from him every week. Exactly, exactly. I like that I know and that I can stretch stretch him a little more. Awesome. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us, Jeff. This was extremely insightful. Thanks, everybody, again for tuning in. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes.